0: Hello and welcome to Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar related, including industry news reviews and everything in between. We're recording live from the Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin, I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, I've kind of always
1: when I pick up this microphone, want to sing a few bars of a Jimmy Buffett song just to see if you know you it. You did that last week. I did that last week and you picked and hey, you picked out a that's a kind of a, a it, deep it's a cut. B-side, yeah. Yeah, that was a deep cut. Now, but is anybody's catalog bigger than Jimmy Buffett? Bigger? Probably not. I don't think any Paul anybody... McCartney maybe. Well, you know, I listen to the the Jimmy Buffett channel, the Margaritaville yeah. channel on Sirius. And literally every day I hear a Jimmy Buffett song I've never heard before. Right. And you wouldn't th- you would think at a certain point that wouldn't happen, but every single day I'll end up hearing one of his that I never heard before
0: Have you ever heard his rendition of God's Own Drunk? Yes, I have From his Live You Had To Be There album God, it is just a masterpiece
1: He is so good I mean, it, and it's he's simple This is what I love It's just poetry, poetry put to music Yeah It's not complicated rhythmically and to me, his more of his serious songs I like way better than his island hoppin'.
0: A lot of people don't realize it, but he was a bona fide country artist before he became, you know, the mayor of the Caribbean, so to speak. And his his album "Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time" is one of my favorites, and it has a song on it called "Ringlin' Ringlin'." Are you familiar with that one? I'm not. I uh, I highly recommend you if if you're if you don't necessarily have to listen to Margaritaville and Cheeseburger in Paradise to get your fill of Jimmy Buffett. Ringling Ringling is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I, d- I don't. Yeah. yeah. It's ironic cuz I firmly believe Margaritaville his most famous song is his worst song. It's
0: up there with one of as one of his worst. I think yeah. um We Are the People your parents warned us about. Oh, I like that song. I uh, So it's a decent enough song. But every version of it just gets worse and worse. It's one of those, like, he keeps trying to fix the painting with that song. And I just, just stop. Just, it's not, you're not making it better. Well, he
1: has songs and he has ditties. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm sure you have a, there's a Webster's Dictionary difference in the two. But, you know, his um, fruitcakes and Juicy Fruit and all that, I think, are just ditties.
0: Yeah. But then he has some real song oh, songs. Oh, Not We Are The People. Fruitcakes is the one I was thinking oh, fruit cakes. of. Oh, fruitcakes. Okay.
1: Yeah, fruitcakes yeah, fruit fruit, stinks. Fruitcakes
0: is a dog. Yeah. Yeah,
1: fruitcakes is terrible, but anyway Okay, well this is not the Jimmy Buffett cast Although
0: I could do several hours on Jimmy
1: Buffett We, we could have a lot of fun on the Jimmy Buffett cast That's right One, one night we'll have to do the Jimmy Buffett <laughs> cast <laughs> And I'll, unfortunately we won't be able to smoke cigars during that particular cast <laughs> But you know, okay, one more thing about Jimmy Buffett I like that he's not one of these obnoxious pot smokers you know, I can't listen to Joe Rogan because he's an obnoxious pot
0: smoker. Right. I get it. it, it if, if, if you're not part of the brethren, then it's just because you're not enlightened enough, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just as opposed to the kind of person who just likes to have a drink or likes to have a cigar. They, yeah. And yeah, the more, the more refined Willie Nelson, Jimmy Buffett style.
1: Yeah, and even Willie gets over the line sometimes. I but think that was done to him.
0: I don't think he did that himself.
1: Probably, um, probably half and half. I'd yeah. say probably half and half. i the more Hank Junior. and Jimmy Buffett kind of the casual. Okay, that's that's fine. I'll give you that. I, I can kind of go that way with it. But anyway, okay. I guess we should light some cigars and talk about cigars. So, my wonderful wife bought for me the Padron anniversary set for Christmas. And it has all of the Padron anniversaries in it. I'm smoking the, four, the 1964 46 year. I think you've got the 85. I think I gave you
0: the 85. Yeah, I've got the 85th over here. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. I, well, ho- I don't remember if I said thank you, but thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I'll, and well. Your Christmas gift is in the mail. <laughs>
1: It's a, boy, have I heard that before.
0: No, I'm like I'm, I'm. waiting on it. I It should be here in time for us to record, not next week, but the one after, and I'm really looking forward to giving it to you.
1: Oh, okay. Well, she gave this to me, and I couldn't imagine a world where I would sit here and smoke a Padron, and you not smoke a Padron with me. Is that not the joy no, of I, a Padron, to it, smoke it's it true. with a friend? It, yeah, you
0: hate to see somebody sitting across you with a baccarat while you're enjoying a, a very nice anniversary series Padron.
1: Well... But, you know, these old dudes and cheap cigars blow my mind. I was a buddy of mine. He's got some old cronies. They all got together, and these are guys that are worth millions and millions of dollars each. Yeah. You know, the, the absolutely millionaires, and self-made millionaires have worked hard for it, have earned it. I'm proud for them. They're old, retired guys. And they'll crack out a box of $4 cigars yep. to smoke, and it's like, what's
0: wrong with you? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I know broke people who who smoke fancy cigars and I know really rich people that smoke cheap cigars and it's really it's just a matter of taste, I guess. I you know, I, I like to land somewhere in the middle. Like I, I have so much appreciation for a cheap cigar and we've talked about it so much on the show, whether it's the you know, whether it's the charter oak or back in the day it was Don Tomas, which I don't even think they make anymore. Right. And You know, there's room in my life for a cheap cigar, but every once in a while, it's nice to branch out.
1: Well, my father, he texted me this week, and he's got a buddy down there in Florida that he plays golf with and all, and he said, hey, can you get me a box of cigars for this guy for Christmas? And I said, sure, send me a picture of the cigar. So he sends me a picture, and it's a quorum. Oh. And I had to message him back and say, those don't don't come come in in a box. box. (laughs) Those come in bundles. And he said, "Well, I took the guy a nice cigar, and he couldn't really smoke
0: it. He said he yeah. didn't, and all because he's used to cheap, cheap cigars." So, well, and you know, and that's kind of what I was going to say next, which is, let's say you set a, a budget for yourself of five hundred dollars a month that you're going to smoke on, uh, that you're going to spend on cigars. Now, you can either buy a box of Padron eighty fifth anniversaries, or you can buy 16 boxes of Quorums. Right. And if you're old and retired and going to smoke four or five a day and, and you enjoy it and you're going to lose them in the lake or on the golf course or whatever, I get it.
1: I get it. I, I do get it, but I'm, I like to treat myself well. Oh, for sure. But what makes a cigar good and what makes a cigar bad is a very subjective measure, as is evident by the top 25 cigar lists on aficionado.com.
0: Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's, it's rare that I go through the the top 25 lists and, and I have strong opinions. Usually it's just like, okay, whatever. I, usually I haven't smoked, but maybe two or three of them. This year I've smoked a bunch of these. Well, you know, it's easy...
1: To look at their body of work and complain. Yeah. So, anything I'm going to complain about, I want to have substance. Right. I want to have, you know, H. Upman number two, number one cigar of the year.
0: We've talked about this before. I I don't know how I feel about having a Cuban as number one. I do. I don't like it. In in an American publication, It, it feels... It feels half-hearted to me or, or disingenuous.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I feel like, you know, of course, it's kind of like we do our list when, when we decide to do a top five or
0: top 20 or whatever yeah. we decide to do. Um, Which you, we haven't talked about this, but I think, I don't know that we're going to get a Stogies out this year. I don't know. We, we might get an abbreviated one yeah. and just talk just, about a few Since things. we've only been doing the show back for a couple of months this year. Yeah. I've,
1: I've got a good shot at what I think number one is, but we'll cover that in a future episode. All righty. But um, the Q, here's the thing. I think if you're going to do a top 25 list, no Cubans. And can we all just accept Padrones are the best? Right. I mean, because I wouldn't feel right on any top 25 list that I'm saying, okay, of all the cigars on the market right now, um, these are the best cigars. Padron not being a number one.
0: Well, as we talked about last year in the lead up to the holiday, I think the Placentia Alma Fuerte Salomon is better than a lot of Padrons.
1: You know, I re-smoked that cigar and I still don't get still,
0: it. Did you have the Solomon? Mm-hmm. Okay
1: yeah still but i'm I'm just not a giant placencia fan. You kind of got to have a palette yeah a palette that it that lends itself
0: to that, but just to just to hit a few high points on the list I think I've got about one left in my box. I may have smoked the last one when I changed jobs as a celebration, but i i I'm almost out of those, if not already. Well, the Rocky Patel 60th, that one ranked number two. I don't agree with that. I didn't find it to be very good at all. I, I think that is an embodiment of the criticism with this list. And that, that's all I'll say. I'm going to try and be political about this. I'm going to well, say that, to me, screams of the type of... Blatant commercialism. Of, of, yeah, <laughs> that, that they have been accused of.
1: Well, here's my problem with Rocky. All Rocky Patels have tasted the same to me for about three years now, and I told the Rocky rep this. Yeah, she was here, and I'm like, my complaint is all your cigars taste the same, and, and they they're do. not good. I mean, they're I not
0: mean, they're not bad. No, they're not. They're terrible. four four and a halves.
1: Yeah, but they just there's not enough to me. There's not enough difference in grabbing a Rocky DBL and grabbing right. a Rocky, you know, whatever. Edge, Sumatra yeah. or whatever. To me, there's not enough difference in the profile of the flavor of those to really justify... I agree with that. um, You know, going down... So, the travesty is the Padron 1964 is number eight. So, of these seven cigars ahead of it, is there any one of them you would rather have than the Padron 1964?
0: No, I don't think there is. I think... Well, let's state it this way, though. So, looking at... The numbers 2 through 9 So these 8 cigars I'm looking at We've got the Rocky Patel 60 Which I don't think belongs This high up on the list But I do recognize that a lot of people like it So I can say, oh okay Davidoff Nicaragua if you, If I'm going to smoke a Davidoff This happens to be the one I like of all the ones in this top eight, the Davidoff is the
1: one I could probably say, okay, the, somebody's palate somewhere, a number of people's palate somewhere is is right for is that. Is right for that. I could I could actually say that
0: the Hoya de Monterey Elegantes is another Cuban at number four. So they're really Cuban heavy on the top of this list. Obviously, I've not had it. Number five is the Oliva, Oliva Serie V Churchill, fantastic cigar. I think that's great. The Alec Bradley Black Market Churchill at number six is a dog turd, and I don't think it even belongs in the top 25. The My Father Le Bijou Churchill, phenomenal cigar. I fully support that being this high on the list. And then at number nine, the Romeo Juliet uh, uh, Reserva Real Nicaragua Churchill, one of my all-time favorites and go-to cigars. So in terms of, you know, two through nine, with only a couple of exceptions, I... I don't disagree too strongly. The black market from Alec Bradley being number six is just mind-boggling to me, though.
1: Yeah, that that's that's the one on the list that it, I don't get. Of all the ones they put on the list, there, I just don't get the Alec Bradley. The and you know, not bagging on Alec Bradley. I mean, Alec Bradley Double Broadleaf is an outstanding cigar.
0: I know you love that cigar, but that and that's the thing. There are, I'm not a huge Alec Bradley fan, but I but I do recognize that there are certainly better cigars out there in their lineup than this one. So it surprised me that they made it. Yeah, uh, I would much rather have a Tempest. I believe you owe somebody some money for the fact that the new E.P. Carrillo didn't make the list, don't you?
1: I, I, I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> the older I get, the more times in life I'm happy to be wrong. Um, it doesn't bother me at all that I did, that I was incorrect, that, the, that EP Creo did not buy their way onto this list. That makes me happy. I'm fine with that. Now, the La Flor Dominicana Oro Chisel, that is outstanding. And number 12 is about where that cigar should be.
0: See, I've not had one of those. I've not smoked an LFT in a very long time. Uh, I'll have to give that a shot. You know what surprises me about this list, and it, it's something that we kind of give them a hard time about, is the fact that you don't have to be a new cigar to be on this list. And I feel like you kind of, if it's going to be an annual list, it should have tied to what happened that year. But I'm looking at this list, you know, La Polina Goldie, excellent. Absolutely belongs on this list. Hoy de Nicaragua Antonio, to me, that's, I, I really like that cigar. I've smoked two or three boxes worth in my life. I don't know if it belongs at 13, but I'm happy to see it on the list. New World Dorado. Fully support that being on the list But there's a lot of familiar names San Cristobal um, Casa Magna Colorado Brickhouse Churchill
1: Yeah, the, the list By the nature of Of course by the nature of smoking cigars I almost think So do you think the blind tasting Is the only way to do it Or do we not have people That are just intellectually honest enough To look at a cigar and say, okay, this is the cigar I'm smoking, and I'm going to judge this cigar on how it smokes.
0: I I think it has to be blind, because you would never get the Espinoza knuckle sandwich on this list if it weren't blind. At number 23.
1: You don't think people would... You think they would...
0: Espinoza... See, I really like Espinoza cigars. At least in this area, you don't find them in shops, hardly at all. And they, their, their marketing is fairly, I wouldn't go so far as to say polarizing, but distinct.
1: Well, the Espinosa rep was actually in here last week. And I, I wasn't here, but the owner, he texted me and said he was here and wanted to know what I thought of the Espinosas. And my answer to him was, they're too close to the Altadis product in flavor profile, I disagree with that. See, the, I've always felt like they're, them and Altadis, the Altadis flavor profile of Espinosa are too close together and we've already got plenty of Altadis.
0: See, I, I, I personally disagree with that, especially like the 601 La Bamba and there's another one whose name that they make whose name I can never remember that I think are really unique and really underappreciated by the industry.
1: Well, it's like the Laranja. I like the Laranja.
0: That's the one I'm thinking of.
1: But if I smoke the Reserve Reserve Nicaraguan, the orange one, the Monte Cristo Nicaraguan with the orange label, to me,
0: it's the same cigar. Oh, see, I taste a lot of difference between those. I don't
1: get much difference in them. But, you know, these lists, like I said, it's always subjective. Um, I do want to touch on the other list I picked out. Yeah. Which was the cigar snob top
0: twenty-five. I like this is what would happen if you created a list though. Yes. Which is that so just really quick, Olivas number one on their list is the Oliva Serie V Melanio. Now, that has been marked as the poor man's padron since it was released, so I don't have any issue comparing it to a padron being on the top of your list that you were talking about earlier. But it's been out since two thousand and twelve. The Liga Provada H ninety nine has been out since that was number two. Has been out since I think twenty twelve. The Monte Cristo nineteen thirty five anniversary Nicaragua. I don't that uh, that, one just came out this uh, year. So I say that might be the only new one on the list. My Father La Promesa came out in twenty twenty. No, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, the Sin Compromiso from Hoya came back in twenty eighteen. Like So these are all, that's just the top five, but they all have been out for four years. And I think you would, if you were to curate a list the way that you want to, like, of, of all time, I don't think year to year you would see a whole lot of variation in your top ten.
1: I think it would take a long time for a cigar to work its way up the list. But and I think that's what it
0: comes, you know. But so you don't you're think a cigar go- should have to work its way up the list. It's not like television ratings where you can get better or worse i mean it the cigar is the cigar what you're rating at that point is your palate
1: sure which to a certain degree is what you're rating in any event yeah, fair <laughs>
0: enough and i mean you yeah know. but mass appeal you know like i i don't know what cigar snobs process is but we know aficionados list is they've got something like 50 tasters who are like so there's a to get a consensus among a wide variety of palettes means that you're going to have some reliability in mass market appeal.
1: Well, for instance, Don Lino Africa is number 17 on this list. It doesn't seem fair to me to dismiss a cigar that good because it didn't come out this year.
0: No, but I do think if you're going to release a a, a list every year that you there needs to be some... Maybe it doesn't all have to be cigars that were released that year, but it does need to have some relationship to the year itself. Maybe, you know, in the last five years that it was released. or or
1: Well, and I guess you could have two lists. You could have the overall best and you could have the
0: best new release. Which is what we do on the Stogies, which is cigar of the year, and then there's also... uh, was it new release or something like we 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 do make that distinction
1: so yeah it's one of those things that you can argue about and you can complain about and you can also really get behind it at some point so it kind of takes a little bit to do that um so before we go before we go to the break i do want to talk about this new zealand law all right new zealand passes ban fundamentally eliminating domestic tobacco sales Okay, so I've read these articles. I've read of this article in about five different publications to understand it. So New Zealand has basically said anyone born on or after January first, two thousand nine, cannot buy tobacco in New Zealand. All right. Period. So if you're twelve years old, you will never be able to legally buy tobacco in New Zealand. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with them.
0: I. Uh, so I. You know, this is a product that already has an age restriction, so it's a little different. But I I do have an issue with legislation that backdates. I think when you change legislation, that should be a line in the sand. Anything to us when we're talking about this type of thing, obviously, if um, I mean, obviously, if it's something extreme, you can't let you know uh, you can't let insider training just go on because you were doing it before we passed a law restricting it that sort of thing but 2009 i think okay that's fine this is the country if i'm not mistaken that every year it moves up by one also right or was that I australia that no, did that no
1: yeah it was a that was a different okay one. well so here's my thought okay i don't think this is a law i would support If they tried to pass this America, I would not support it. But if you're in New Zealand and they have enough people willing to to go with this and they say, okay, we want to eliminate tobacco use in our country, here's the line in the sand, I can kind of respect that.
0: Okay, this will have a de facto uh, approach like I was talking about because the line in the sand is January 1st, 2009. So essentially, as that demographic ages effectively so does the minimum age to purchase tobacco so it you know when they're forty forty will be the minimum age well true yeah
1: true it will kind of progress in that math in yeah. that manner if you to do the math that way but one of the articles I read said right now eight percent of people in New Zealand are tobacco users and they're looking to cut that number down to five percent is it really worth this much um, this much impact on the economy and the ability of adults to go sit and enjoy a cigar. Politicians are going to politic. Yeah.
0: I, it seems to me like this is a um, an exercise in futility. But, but I also don't know how much effect it's going to have on their economy when you're talking about a country who only has, what, like, a, like less than 10 million residents?
1: Yeah, I don't so know. So 8% of that, of that,
0: I mean, that's... I mean, my company has a bigger operating budget than what's going into the tobacco in that country.
1: Well, I can respect New Zealand drawing a line in the sand, and them, and they're doing it the right way. If you're a retailer and you sell a cigar to someone born after January first, two thousand nine, it's a ninety-four thousand. It's ninety-four thousand five hundred dollars in right. fine after the you know conversion. It's like a hundred and something it's uh, prohibitive
0: whatever. enough that it'll actually it's
1: got be some teeth to it yeah. you know it's one of those things you know i've always said if you if you want to help immigration find the people that are hiring them and that will t- that will help immigration yeah and this is so they're doing some things right here i don't agree with their principles so much as i agree with the fact that they've they've drawn a line in the sand they've got it passed and they're going to follow through
0: and it doesn't affect anybody who currently enjoys the legal nature, right? You know, if if you and I were New Zealand residents, we'd be able to continue to smoke cigars until all the cigar shops closed, because that'll happen before we would die. Oh
1: yeah, that'll happen. That'll long, happen in
0: about five years,
1: probably. I've, if if it takes that
0: long, I'll be surprised. Because who opens a business with a sunset date? Right. You know, you know it's coming. You know the day's coming when no one's going to be in your shop to buy your product. So you're going to shut up, well, close you know, up shop early.
1: I argue about this with wrestling all the time. If your fan base is not increasing, your fan base is decreasing. Right. Your fan base must always be increasing, just like your cigar consumer must always be increasing. Or else it's decreasing, and the, so yeah, there's no reason for anyone to open a cigar shop in New Zealand at this point. Now this will create, I think that this will take the number from eight percent to ten percent long before it takes it to five percent.
0: Yeah, I think. To, yeah, probably so, because we've got what, we've got people that are 12 years. I'm assuming their current legal age is probably 21. Probably, so you've probably 18, 21. Yeah, so you've got another six to ten years before we even get to a point where this is really affecting anybody. Yeah, I can absolutely see kids coming of age wanting to see what all the fuss is about yeah, before I can, it goes away. I can see
1: the forbidden nature. You know, Prohibition never works. Right.
0: And uh, America's experiment with Prohibition certainly showed that. Have you started watching Boardwalk Empire yet? No. God, you've got to get on that show. You will like it.
1: But the... Prohibition never works as a; uh, it's just it's contrary to human nature. I think this will actually drive up their numbers long before it ever drives them down.
0: Especially when you know, as much as anything that can potentially cause a health risk is it's a victimless crime, right? right. You know, I mean, yes, we know it has adverse health effects, but all, almost all studies are done exclusively on cigarette smokers. And w- we also know that even though there is a concern among secondhand smoke, we've never been able to effectively isolate it as a cause, uh, external to uh, Nature. Le- leaf blowers and, <laughs> right. you know, uh, what's coming out of the tailpipe of cars and, and other things like that, so... Right, let's hit this Netherlands thing before we break. That way, we can get all the legislative stuff.
1: Yeah, we'll get late. the legislative stuff took care of, so we can have have a fun second half, yeah. <laughs> a more fun second half. Netherlands moving toward plain packaging for cigars. To me, this is another nothing burger legislation
0: wise. You know, I think you know Canada did this a number of years ago, and we talked about it on the show. And I actually don't hate it. You know, does. Is, is it actually going to result in a, a price drop from cigars because they're not having to design bands? No. Should it? Probably. But, you know, how often do we talk about how much better we would be at rating cigars if we were, if we were doing it blind? And if you don't have the enticement of the logo and the marketing and things like that, you're truly buying the cigar on its reputation, on its recipe, and not getting... You know, distracted by any of the other stuff.
1: Like I said, in the case of Tatawahe, this would actually improve my Tatawahe experience because I would know which Tatawahe I was smoking. Exactly. Um, Illusione to a certain degree, them as well. For sure. So, in some points, this actually improves your experience
0: over degrades it. So, I don't want to see it happen in this country. No. But I also don't hate it. I'm agnostic at best. I think where it becomes difficult is, you know, so many manufacturers have a style, you know, even though each brand is a little bit different, each manufacturer has a style. I I do wish, even if they were going to do branded packaging, maybe you do some sort of color allocation. So, you know, Arturo Fuente gets red and Perdomo gets orange and you, you, you Or just th- orange for Nicaraguan or, and, <laughs> But you just You throw a dart Because one thing is When you walk into a humidor You can at least see Where one brand ends And the next begins And, and I, I do feel like You lose something With that going away So I would love to see If it was kind of like Team colors Where it was just It was a solid color But you throw a dart At a color wheel In the tobacco registration office And that's That's the that's color That's your color That's your color I could get behind that. I mean,
1: like I said, I think these are both two pieces of legislation that really accomplish nothing. It's kind of, like you said, it's politics. Politicians just politicking is all it is. Yeah. And uh, well, why don't we skip the last one and let's just go to the break. Because when we come back, let's talk about some exciting. I want to talk about this rabbit air
0: and I want to talk about barbecuing. All right. Well, we'll be back with that and more after this.
1: Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who this year would like to see the Super Bowl end in a punt, passing, kick competition, Mr. Trey Dedman. You know,
0: so I'm actually, I mean, not for the Super Bowl, but one of the the Pro Bowl has is always the week before the Super Bowl, and has always been just a huge nothing, right? No one cares. No one plays defense. It's just a, an all star. The NFL doesn't have an All Star break; they have the Pro Bowl. One of the th- best things they've implemented in the last couple of years has been the skills competition because the NHL has been doing it for years, and it makes the All Star break in the NHL appointment television. It's worth watching, and you get to see you know people having fun and and not just being overly competitive, which the Pro Bowl was always you know highlighted. No, they're really playing the game. They weren't. Really no, they're playing not. It. So. As much as I wouldn't want to see the, the Super Bowl contested that way i do like that the nfl has adopted the punt, pass kick the skills competition basically the combine for the pro bowl players
1: well basically i'm critiquing that the world cup basically ended on a all right we've played long enough now let's all just see who can kick the most goals in the next five shots that's, here, but to me that's the equivalent of the super bowl ending in punt passing kick that's to me i mean
0: it just it blows my mind that people but that's how you know that you had the best teams possible that you play 90 minutes of soccer and at the end of it and extra time y- you still don't have a clear contested winner and it it was 3-3 it wasn't a a nil-nil snooze fest like everyone talks about oh there's no scoring in soccer that was a it was an offensive juggernaut of a game and it and it just came down it, it's like a really close super bowl that came down Eight. To twenty-one to twenty-one at the end of the fourth.
1: I say we run their butts up and down the field till somebody wins. Go to sudden death. Do whatever you got to. Overtime is sudden death. But go. Let Let's play the game
0: till it's over. But do you then, have the same issue? Because hockey does a penalty shootout after absolutely. three overtimes too.
1: No, that's because it it just it takes all of the the work for the hours before totally out of the game. So does sudden death. Sudden death to a degree. Now, the way they do, um, like, college football, where it gets progressively harder to score and progressively more demanding to score, I think that's a perfect way to do it.
0: But that's the equivalent of this, because a penalty kick is, is not a foregone conclusion. When you go to PKs, it's not a foregone conclusion. It's
1: a 50-50 shot. It it's depends on really which way the do- goalie
0: dives. No, but but the I mean, striker really is, is doing a lot to influence and misdirect the goalie. And these are the these goalies are arguably some of the best players on the field. Yeah, we
1: might as well flip a coin at the end of the game and say, okay, they're the you're, winner.
0: You're completely wrong. <laughs> but I'll allow you to be completely
1: <laughs> I wrong. I mean, it's just... It It was silly. We were here Sunday, and they were all watching it. And the shop opened early Sunday so that everybody so that everybody could come watch it. So I came over here just to have a cigar. And it's just... Um, it was just a snooze. There was nothing nothing exciting at all to me. But now... I'm, pre, I'm prejudiced. I don't like soccer. There's nothing enjoyable to me about watching soccer. But to end it that way, it's just, um, you know, hey, it's the Daytona 500, and we're going to end it on a drag strip. <laughs> it's just, if you take the biggest sporting event in the world and you basically end it on a coin flip, you've
0: really done nothing. Well, but it, it's funny you say that because in in auto racing, that actually happens quite a bit where there will be a late yellow flag that neutralizes the field and it basically becomes about two laps winner take all. Well, I mean, that happens in auto racing all the time. But at least uh, they're racing. <laughs> at least they're not
1: sta- at least they're not stopping the cars standing them on the line and saying, OK, ready, set, go. Well, the
0: the 2021 Formula One World Championship basically came down to exactly that. They had fought the two front runners had fought tooth and nail all season, 22 races, and they come into the final race level on points, and the tiebreaker is who has most race wins, so it favored one one driver over the other, and there was a late crash with about five laps to go, which so they put behind a safety car, so there's the lap counter's still ticking down. There was a huge controversy over the way the race directors manipulated the field to get them... Because you don't want to end the championship under yellow flag conditions as they run on the road. Right. Totally get that. But they didn't follow their own rules to do it. And effectively ended up handing the world championship to one of the drivers by virtue of the way they did it. And it because it became basically one lap to rule them all.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think any sporting event should ever end in a tie period. When I see NFL record where they have some, a tie on the board that just blows my mind. I don't know why anyone would end an NFL game on a tie. That to me is stupid at yeah. all. It goes back to my complaint about soccer. I don't think any sporting event should end in a tie. I think you should play till somebody wins. Otherwise what's the point in playing?
0: Well, because it's also a lot like hockey where you get points towards the season for you get so many points for a win, you get so many points for a tie, and you don't get anything for a loss. And it it accumulates so that I think like three ties equals two wins or something like that. Well, moving forward
1: um, from Blind Man's Puff, Rabbit Air A3 Purifier Cigar Accessory Review. So one of the things they did when they bought this shop is they put in some of these Rabbit Airs into this shop. And they made a difference immediately.
0: I only see two. Uh, there's oh three. There's okay, yeah.
1: one over there. Three. I think there's one more in the back. But um, they put those in, and they immediately impacted the air quality in this shop. Do you think so?
0: You don't. Oh, absolutely. Do you not think it had more to do with the upgrades they did to the ventilation system?
1: No, because I actually was on the phone with the people from Blue Ox this week about the vent system, and I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at these Blue Ox um, air purifiers. They're scrubbers in here, and I'm saying, okay, why are... about
0: five of those, right? Four of them. Four, okay.
1: I'm saying, why are those higher than the air conditioning trunk line? Because being higher than the air conditioning trunk line, the trunk line is spraying out air. It's cutting out the effectiveness of these blue oxes. And I finally brought it up to the owner. I said, hey, I don't think these blue oxes are doing anything. I think we have walled off the smoke from these blue oxes. You've got a
0: Bernoulli effect taking place that's reducing their effectiveness. Yeah. So
1: he called the blue ox for me, and I was talking to the guy there, the engineer there at blue ox, and he said, yeah, they should be six to eight inches lower than the trunk line. I said, okay, well, why didn't y'all tell them that when you sold them that? Well, we didn't ask anything about the air conditioning system in the building.
0: Seems like... Seems like that would be among the first questions you would ask. Well, especially because, I mean, they're going to say they're not responsible for installing them, so, you know, they don't. But if I'm going to sell a product, number one complaint of people that go into a facility that allows smoking is that even if you're not smoking, you walk out smelling like smoke. You sell a product that's supposed to make that experience better for people. Isn't it kind of on you to make sure the people who are buying your product are installing it and using it correctly so that people don't say, oh, don't buy those, they don't work? Yeah,
1: he called them, and they said, how tall are your ceilings? How big is your space? He gave them that information, and they said, okay, so you need to hang them here, 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 and here, and they sent a little diagram. But they never asked where the air conditioning system was in this unit in this building right and also i talked to him he said yeah they all need drop two foot and i said yeah they need drop." i said that's what i've been sitting here hypothesizing for the for the past two weeks and all so they're going to drop them all two foot in here and i bet it'll be night and day difference yeah i bet you're right when they drop them down but um but anyway to that point my bigger point is the rabbit airs made a giant difference from the day one they were put in they made a very big difference in what was going on here. Now, here's the question about the Rabbit Air. The Rabbit Air, this one that we're looking at, the SPA-1000N, it supposedly will clean 1,070 square foot, and they cost um, $749, which if you told me, Shane, you can put a Rabbit Air in your bonus room, and you could go upstairs and sit and smoke in your bonus room and not have the rest of your house smell like smoke, I'd give you $800 in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, the problem is it doesn't work. It, it, it wouldn't ever work that way. No, number one, because you'd, have, you'd lose air under the door because you don't have an active return in your bonus room. Most people don't. Right. So you're going to lose air to the, to the rest of the house because you've got a, a positive... Pr- in any one room in your house, you've got a positive pressure situation. But also the biggest issue with this is maintenance, right? How many people do you know that replace their air conditioning filters on time? Excluding yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm the anomaly right. because I have built houses my whole life right. and I know that. Have yeah. you
0: ever known anybody that holds that schedule? With but plus or minus far, a week, two in ten. I think that's being generous. It's but probably sure.
1: a high number. Two out of ten. Um, You know, that used to always be what I would talk to customers about when we were doing the orientation on their new house. Was buy a stack of filters. Don't buy expensive static filters and all that crap. You don't need that. You will get more benefit out of frequently replacing that filter than you ever will of buying an expensive filter and putting in
0: there. Absolutely. Go buy the cheap
1: filters. Buy 10 of them at a time. Keep them in your closet, and every 30 to 45 days, pop that one out and put a new one in.
0: Yeah, and set a reminder on your phone. To, to it, It's, it's vent, vent clean it or it's, uh, it's filter changing day.
1: Yeah, it's Home Maintenance 101.
0: So everyone I've ever known, I, I've seen a couple of shops that'll bring one in and stick it in the corner of the lounge. And I, I don't know anybody who has anything positive to say about them. And... My hypothesis with that is that it's because they're not changing the filters regularly enough. And this even says replacement filters are $115. So right. not only are you, are you out $750 for the unit, but then every... Once a year. Is it just once a year? Yeah, annual filter costs $115.95. But I would also like to know, based on what? Based on how many cigars? right. Is it in a? Because if it's in a lounge versus my bonus room, that's two different ball games. Exactly, and I think what happens in the shops is that they either stretch it to 18 months because how many shop owners do you know that want to drop $115 on filters for their air purifier? It, it just doesn't happen, right?
1: Well, yeah, good shop owners just consider it a cost of doing business.
0: Most of them are going to try and stretch it, or they just don't want, or they have a bad month, and maybe it just, it's the easiest thing to drop off the budget.
1: I will say the guys here at Mission do it religiously. Yeah. And And
0: then you can tell. And you have to. And I think most of your home smokers, but like I said, if you're smoking a cigar in your bonus room three times a week... You're probably okay at a filter a year. Sure. But if you're smoking, you and your wife both smoking, let's say, two a day, every day. Right. You would need to replace that filter way more often than once a year.
1: Okay. So, what if you have a designated cigar room? Yeah. Say, you know, in my building, I would want it... this. If I was going to have a cigar room at my house, I would have an outbuilding You know, my big metal outbuilding outside, I would finish off a room in that outbuilding to be my cigar lounge where I had, you know, metal walls, concrete floor, leather furniture, and then put one of these in here. I think it would probably do the job.
0: I also think, though, that you probably get almost as much effectiveness by just putting your room in a negative pressure situation because then you're going to get, with an active exhaust... Yeah, because then you're going to get audit, draw from fresh air and you're going to be venting the smoke here. I th- I think for your if I was going to build into a room in my house, exterior grade door is a must. Full vapor barrier on every wall and the ceiling and and the underneath the floor. Right, like you've got to seal that off. Right, but anyone who has ever sealed up their Tupperware. Of their, put their green beans in a Tupperware container and put it in the sealed it up time put it in the back of the fridge, and forgotten about it for six months. Will tell you, you do need airflow. So the, it is. I mean, I think this would help, but I think air exchange is important because otherwise you end up with other issues like mold. So, especially I, in a hyper humidified situation like a humidor.
1: Well, I just wanted to. I wanted to talk about this because I did want to state the ones they put in here made a difference immediately.
0: And I, I think the key to that is regular and routine maintenance. And I just, I think it's out of reach for most recreational folks if they were going to put one of these in their home. I don't know. If you had to do it annually, I don't think it would be a problem. Like, uh, assuming, of course, that your particular smoking habits were in the specifications for whatever it was designed for.
1: Yeah. You know, it's saying here they exchange the air for two times an hour. That's kind of a low number. Most houses were kind of shooting for three to six times an hour. Right.
0: And so, this also claims 1,000 square feet. Now, that's only if it's a single room at 1,000 yeah, feet. Yeah, 1,000 square feet. If you add some walls and corners into that, you're going to have a harder time.
1: Yeah, that's going to change a, a lot of that profile. But I don't know. I've often considered see having one
0: just to see. Now, if you're going to use a garage, though, I think you're in good shape because a garage is insulated. It's already got vapor barrier to the interior walls of the house. It's got an exterior grade door. And it's easy enough to ventilate if you need just a little bit extra help.
1: Right. If you want to raise the garage door yep. you know, Yep. and let it go. Because I'll tell you, in our garage, if we smoke in our garage in the winter and we both smoke in Africa, it's, it's thick in there. Oh, yeah. By the time we're done with an Africa piece, it is thick in that garage. And that makes a big difference. But anyway... All right. Well, I wanted to touch on that. Now I want to talk about something that's not cigar. I guess it's tangentially cigar-related.
0: The art of the grill. The art of the barbecue. Now, it is colder than a witch's tit outside. Uh What made you think this week about grilling? I cooked a prime rib roast yesterday. Okay. Well, so
1: here's here's a professional tip. This time of year... Like, Kroger had their standing prime rib roasts for $5.99 a pound this week. I bought one and cooked it yesterday, because I grill year-round. Right. It don't matter to me if there's a foot of snow on the ground. My grill's underneath my deck cover anyway. So I I go out there and grill. I I love to grill when it snows. That's actually one of the things that, when I'm buying my milk and bread for the snow day, I buy something to throw on the grill at the same time.
0: Most people don't, though. Again, this is where you're the anomaly. And... and, and but anyway, so the art of the grill. I do think there, I do think there's a relationship between cigar smoking and grilling. In fact, I think it was about three Father's Days ago when we were doing the show. We were talking about what to get your, you know, the 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 father in your life, whether it's a husband or a dad or whatever. And give him a cigar and a piece of meat to put on the grill and just leave him alone. Six pack of beer. Yeah, he'll, like, he'll have a great day. I, I think day. There's something, to me. It's a lot like just giving me time to sit around a fire, because I love to sit around a fire out back and smoke a cigar. Uh-huh. But as much as I like enjoying the fire, I like fiddling with the fire. I like keeping it hot, and I like keeping it burning clean, because you don't have to have a solo stove to get a, a, a relatively smoke-free fire if you know what you're doing. Sure. And grilling just adds that extra layer of complexity of making sure you're not messing up whatever's on there, but also the extra layer of enjoyment is that you get a full belly at the end of it.
1: So, to me, the most essential tool when grilling is a meat thermometer.
0: I will. I think I said this on the show that, that we did last week, where we were talking about our uh, our signature dish. I'll say it again. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. It's not a cop-out, it's not lazy, it's not a cheat, it doesn't question your manhood to use a meat thermometer. I temp everything that I cook.
1: Well, when you're cooking a prime rib roast, the difference between excellent prime rib and pot roast is measured in single-digit degrees.
0: And, and, and single-digit minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very thin margin for error.
1: Now, I'm a pellet grill guy. Right. My Traeger broke down early. This this is, this is a classic story of how Shane's life works. My Traeger, my original one I bought, the auger went out on it. And I've been around Traegers enough to know once the auger goes out, yes, you can order a new auger. You can put a new auger in it, but, but you're on borrowed time. Yeah.
0: yeah, you're on borrowed time from that point forward. And just for the uninitiated. Meaning myself The auger Is what feeds the pellets Into the firebox Correct Okay
1: Correct The auger is the heart of the grill It moves the pellets To the firebox And I said Okay You know And I'd had that Traeger Five years I'd grilled a bazillion burgers On it And steaks And turkeys And roasts And everything I got my money's worth Out of my Traeger No doubt At that point So I said Okay It's time to buy A new grill I don't have to spend A thousand dollars On a grill To get a good grill but I you're re- going to anyway. I really, I really don't. So I, I told Glenda, I said, let's go grill shopping. Let's look at the pit balls. Let's look at the, you know, the." Um, I didn't really consider the egg because I don't like the amount of time it takes to get it ready
0: to use. Well, it, it doesn't have to, especially if you're the kind of person that will, like, cook multiple days in a row. It'll hold residual heat really, really well. But also, you said you didn't want to spend $1,000 on a grill, and you're not getting an egg for less than that. Well, so I unless you get the one that's about the size of a chicken breast.
1: I ended up going to um, Costco because I looked at the Pit Boss and the Pit Bosses were like within two hundred dollars of the Traeger. And I'm like, I know I've had the Traeger. I know the Traeger's good. Why would I? Why would I? Yeah, two hundred dollars. Why would I let that be the deciding factor for me? So, sixteen hundred and (laughs) forty three dollars later. I end up with the Mac Daddy Traeger, you know. Bluetooth, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Well, but Traeger, here's the thing, and here's what sold me on it when I was standing there at Costco with the guy. They addressed every issue I had with my old Traeger. It had the heat temperature paint on it, which had actually started to bubble up on part of my Traeger, on my old one. Yeah. And he said, oh, yeah, we got rid of that. We powder coat everything now. All right. I said, okay, well, the pan, I always have to wrap it in aluminum foil. He said, yep. We switched those out to a better metal, and now we have pan liners that come with everyone, and you can just buy new pan liners to put in, so you don't have to make shift that. He said the auger is now instead is now a brushless motor like a Milwaukee drill. Yep. It also has a reverse on it, so it was a so the standard auger in so the. So if first... it gets
0: too hot, it can pull back. Right. And it can. The
1: first Traeger I had just had an auger, and the auger had two two modes on or off. Right. And it either turned on and fed pellets or it turned off and quit feeding pellets. The new Traegers, the, it turns on at variable speeds. It heats up quicker. So every, every issue I'd had with the Traeger I had was addressed in the new modern Traeger. Yeah.
0: And also, it, it's always reassuring when you look at a company like that, that is the top of the line. Like they are the gold standard in that market of pellet grills. Of semi-automated grilling I would sure. call that and they're still innovating and they're still fixing their product and they're still developing and researching and, and, and that that gets a lot of respect from me like,
1: yeah and that's what sold me on it that's what sold me on the Traeger was okay they are constantly addressing they've addressed every issue I had with my old Traeger there wasn't, you know one of the big issues with my old Traeger to the point that I actually threatened the salesman um the first Traeger I had, it took me three hours to put that son of a buck together. Oh, my gosh. And I told the salesman, I said, my big hindrance toward this is I don't want to spend another three hours putting a grill together. He said, we address that. You take the grill out of the box. You put four screws in it, and the grill is ready to cook on. That's, that's impressive. And I, I told him, I said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to buy it. You give me your phone number. <laughs> and if I get home and that Traeger takes me three hours to put together, I'm calling you. And I'm going to find where you live and cut your tires. And he said, no. He said, absolutely. Here's my number. And that that's probably the office number. But well, anyway. Yeah. Um, but he made his point. But he was 100% correct. I got it home. Put the legs on it and you're Popped done. it out of the box. Put the legs on it. It's ready to grill. So they had just addressed all the issues. And I love the pellet grill. I You know, I at one point in my, on my back porch, I had a charcoal grill, a gas grill, and a smoker. And I was able to get rid of all three of those and switch out for the Traeger.
0: Yeah. I, 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 there's a part. I know I would use my grill more if I had something that was a little less fuss than the egg. I do like the egg because it's all things to all people. I can cook bread on it. I can cook pizza on it. I can grill. I can smoke. I can do whatever I want. It's basically an outdoor oven. It does take a little bit of finagling to get it exactly right. But once you learn it, but, and here's the thing, that's, that's the number one complaint when I tell people I have an egg. They're always like, yeah, but I don't want to spend the time to learn how to use it. If you're grilling right, there is a learning curve on all of them. I don't care if it's a Weber kettle grill or a Traeger or a green egg. If you're really trying to hone your craft, there's going to be a learning curve. And I think nothing ventured, nothing gained.
1: I think that's the way it ought to be. So answer me this as we're comparing the Traeger and the green egg. One of my favorite things about my Traeger, the new one I have has a drop hatch on the bottom. If I decide I want to cook chicken and I want to cook it on pecan, I put my my bin underneath it. I open that hatch. I can drop every pellet in that Traeger out into that hatch, close it up put pecan in there if the next day i want to cook a brisket i can drop the i can drop all of that pecan that's left over out of there and put mesquite in i can switch out the type of wood that i'm using to cook so quickly and efficiently with that traeger what does the green egg have
0: in that way so you know it depends on how you're using it so if you're smoking on the green egg most likely you're going to run out of all of your fuel by the time you're done with it. Because you're you're packing a fire. You don't have the reserves like you do with the trigger. So you're pretty much going to use up all of your charcoal. Um, in the event that you're grilling, is if you're anything like me, oftentimes I try to use... I try to be fairly fuel efficient because I feel like I get better control over my flame by not just loading up the firebox and setting it ablaze and, and choking it out to get the tip I need. So... All you have to do is open the vents up when you're done grilling, and it'll burn everything off. And it burns everything down. The other side of that is, and this is what I do: I use hardwood lump charcoal, Cowboy brand or whatever that red box they sell at Lowe's or the red bag, and it's fairly. It, it has a smoky aroma to it, but it doesn't. Nothing, it doesn't have a, a flavor. Other than just kind of smoke flavor. So if I want pecan or if I want applewood or whatever, I buy the little chunks, not charcoal, but actual chunks of wood. And I'll throw one in. Do you soak those in water before you throw them in or do you just throw them in? It depends what I'm doing. Uh, most of the time I just throw it in. And that's usually because by the time we decide to grill, I don't usually have the lead time. You know, most people are like, oh, I'm grilling this weekend and they f- they plan it all out. Oh, it, the weather's nice. We could grill for dinner, is really how it goes in my house. I usually don't have time, or I, I don't usually think of it enough in advance to soak it. Well, the, you definitely get more smoke that way, but it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish.
1: See, the other thing I love... The Bluetooth connection connects to the Wi-Fi at my house. I literally sat here yesterday at the cigar shop. Turned your grill on. And I was turning it up and down as I, was, as I was sitting there watching. I had the probe in, and it was relaying to me from the probe.
0: How long before they put a webcam inside one of these so you can actually watch it?
1: Can't be far off. I didn't know till the other day that I actually have a light in the pellet thing that when you open the lid to put pellets oh, on it, nice. a little light comes on like in your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great. Uh, I'm like, that, that's a problem I didn't even know I had until they solved it. <laughs> that was that was great. But, yeah, I think the webcam is coming soon where you could just pop it up, pull it up on
0: the, the live view. It, especially in a smoker, you know, m- your your modern uh, GoPro housing will be able to survive 225. Yeah,
1: should should be just fine. But, yeah, yeah I think that's... That's probably on the next $1,600 grill I end Rice. up buying five or six years from now. But grilling to me, is it is grilling a right of manhood? Is the ability to cook a steak a right of manhood? Do you think more of a man who can, who can handle a grill than one that can't?
0: No. I, I don't think, you know, There's this there's this idea, and I think it was crystallized, in the show Home Improvement pretty well, which is cooking in the house, woman's work, cooking outside, man's work. I don't agree with that, but that's kind of how grilling has been viewed for generations. I do think there is, I don't think it's gender-specific, but I do think having the skill to cook over fire and that's part of why I like a charcoal grill, because it, it does take a knowledge of building a good fire in addition to being a good cook.
1: Yeah, the pellet grill eliminates a lot of margin for error. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of margin for error
0: when you start using charcoal. And I'll tell you what, one of my favorite things to do is, is we had an old rusted out grill from ages ago that my wife had, and, and I already had the egg, but I stole the grate out of it because it fits perfectly over the firebox in our fire pit coffee table outside. One of my absolute favorite things to do is to have a nice fire going, get a hot bed of coals, and then throw my cast iron Dutch oven out there and cook soup or cook whatever in the cast iron over an open fire. That, getting coals right in an open fire And cooking over it does take a lot of skill.
1: Well, it's funny because here at the shop, when we're all sitting around and we're talking about grilling, we're constantly debating the best grills. Constantly, you know, the guys that own it, they both have pit Boss. I have Traeger. Um, One of the guys, he has a green egg. And it's a constant thing to the point that we're on Christmas Day. We're all texting each other pictures of our turkey, right? And how it turned out, and all, and whether or not spatch cock a turkey became a big argument this year.
0: It, I think you, I, I think you do. I, it, it takes so much less time, and you get a much more even cook.
1: I like the, I like the tradition. I like the whole bird. I now, like to master it.
0: I. So one of the things that I'm most proud of is is just growing up. There was never a round robin of who made the turkey that year. It was like the turkey was was just kind of a foregone conclusion that the the host was providing the turkey. Usually my great-grandmother. But as time has gone on, it has now become my job at my grandmother's house to carve the turkey. And I don't think... uh, There are very few things in my life that I take great pride in And being responsible for carving the turkey at Thanksgiving is one of those that just touches me to no end. Is electric knife cheating? Yes. think so? I do. I actually used one for the first... So I typically will take my knives with me when I go over there so that I have a sharp knife to carve the turkey with because my grandmother doesn't have any sharp knives at all. And I forgot this year. Well, my mom had bought an electric knife. And it's like, here, my great-grandfather always used an electric knife. I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. That So that was kind of what I grew up with. I, I ended up basically not using it just because it's like for the for the delicate work of taking off the dark meat and getting the hindquarters off, you need a real knife for that. The only thing the electric knife is good for is carving the breast meat.
1: I love my – I have Bass Pro Shop cordless fillet knife, and I use that thing every week. I mean, it's just – it's perfect. I love it yesterday when i got the rib roast off of the grill debone take the bone off the back and when i was prepping the roast pulling the fat off and getting it trimmed up can't beat an electric See, knife but
0: i'm i'm an absolute this is one of the few areas where we disagree this direction where i'm the traditionalist uh, there's i mean electric knives are fine if that's what you want to use but i don't i don't like gadgets in my kitchen I, we have spent thousands of years perfecting metallurgy and forging and making blades. And all of that knowledge is distilled into a fillet knife you can buy for $15 at Bass Pro Shop that'll do a fine job if, if you treat it well. And I much prefer the skill that is required to be developed and can be displayed by using a traditional knife in the kitchen. I, I don't have room for electric cutlery in my kitchen.
1: It's a fundamental difference, but I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. No,
0: there absolutely, there absolutely isn't. The other thing I will say is the electric knife I was using was the serrated blade because that was all it came with. It didn't have right. the, the true blade, so maybe that had part of it. But I just didn't. I just don't care for it.
1: Well, th- this one has three blades because I don't use the same blade I use on fish, right? And all, and of course, poultry and beef. I have a different blade for each of those. You know, I never, I never like to cross contaminate. I always like to have my knives segregated out according to what I'm going to use. You know, my deer skinning knife right. only cuts deer. It's to never cut anything that is not a deer, right? And also, So I, I kind of I'm an I'm a knife nut in that manner.
0: But for, I, I say all that to say to your original question about spatchcocking the turkey. I I think it it it's a different it's a different meal than a whole roast turkey. But there's there's something about carving a whole bird that's just
1: that Just magical.
0: It's magical. Yeah,
1: it is. But all right. Well, that's enough talk about grill. We'll have to wrap it up. So tell me about your padron.
0: Oh, we went long. Um, I, I mean, it's a seven. A padron's a seven. A I padron's mean, a seven. A padron anniversary
1: edition. I didn't is know that was the cigar a I
0: needed tonight, but that was great.
1: That was the one you needed. I, was I'm glad I, needed. I could give you the cigar you needed. Now mine. <laughs> Mine's a seven. There's a reason why Padron don't have reps. There's a reason why they don't need to advertise.
0: Yeah. They're just the best every time. Absolutely. Well, how do they get a hold of us? You can reach us at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast and email info at
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.